0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: Today's program has been brought to you by Tabard Inn, New American Cuisine in one of Washington, D.C.'s oldest hotels, located in DuPont Circle. For more information, visit tabardin.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more.
2: Good morning. You're listening to In the Drink on heritageradionetwork.org. Don't laugh, Sarah. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> um, I'm your host, Joe Campanelli. I'm here with, uh, as you can probably tell, a friend of mine, uh, Sarah Craithen, the co owner of Sorella. Um, Sarah, I've known Sarah for many years now, even before they opened uh, Sorella. Um, and Sarah focuses on the front of house and the, the wine program there. Um, and, uh, I, 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 look at you, Sarah, as, uh, uh, definitely as a peer, but someone I have a lot in common with. We both opened up our restaurants when we were very, too young. very much too young, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and, uh, have learned, uh, very much on the job, but, um, you've done exceedingly well, <laughs> um, Forbes 30 under 30 and, uh, four stars in New York Magazine, and I've been in, in several times, many times and. I'm a huge fan of what you guys do, so uh, I'm very excited to have you on the show.
3: Thank you. It's really good to be here.
2: <laughs> so yeah. tell us about, uh, about your early life. Um, you're still in your early life, but... Yeah, uh, technically.
3: Be- I feel old, but I am still pretty young. Uh,
2: but before you opened up, uh, Sorella, what, what, what had you been doing?
3: Uh, well, I've always worked in restaurants. I started uh, when I was 16 in high school. Um, And then I went to culinary school um, right after high school and ended up not wanting to cook, but still loving the front of the house. And then I uh, met who ended up being my business partner there, uh, Emma Hurst, and moved to New York, ran a a restaurant in Soho for a little bit, and then we just kind of went for it.
2: Yeah, you were at uh, Zoe yes. in Soho.
3: Yeah, that was my first New York City job.
2: And tell us about that. unfortunately, Zoe's not uh, not with us anymore. It's not
3: there anymore, but definitely uh, an experience. It was a a staple. It was kind of like uh, my mentor in in college, John Storm. And I wanted, I really wanted to work for Danny Meyer. Actually, it was like my my dream. And he kind of said that Zoe was like a feeder for Union Square Hospitality, and it would be a good place because I really wanted to be a manager because I didn't. I don't know, I guess I didn't realize that managing restaurants is one of the worst jobs in the world at the time. <laughs> um, so I I went to Zoe and I got to work with um Steven Lafredo, who is still someone that I'm friends with. He's a consultant now. He does a lot of great stuff. Um, but yeah, yeah. Zoe was a. Um, it was really busy when I worked yeah. there. We're doing crazy brunches. It's a it's a retail store like most things in Soho now, but and now, now
2: it's it's in fashion and and completely acceptable to have lots of American wines on on your list. But I feel like Zoe was that maybe- was the
3: that was the first like all American list, and it was a crazy list. It was huge, it was a really big list, and I had to count the bottles every night.
2: You had to count all the bottles every night. Every night,
3: night. I mean, we do inventory it, every daily night inventory wine, yeah.
2: So do you make do you make uh, do you, your manager to no. count the bottles every no, single night? No, but I
3: try to explain to her whenever she complains about what she has to do, all the things that I had to do that she doesn't, but she doesn't get it.
2: And how, how did guests receive this all American wine list at the time when they? Like, uh,
3: people loved it. They was yeah. like it was sought out for it. There were definitely like a lot of like big like it was a it was a big lunch place, and there were all these like those my biggest experience with regulars in New York, like people from all the different businesses around there, and there were some like guys who came in just for really expensive bottles of American wine for lunch, and they wouldn't finish it. I got to drink a lot of really good American wine when I worked there because yeah, people really liked American wine, I think they still do.
2: I think they still do, <laughs> yeah. And uh, I think they're liking it even more. Uh, yeah, it's
3: definitely an easier sell than Italian, you know. It's like every, <laughs> I think every table always says, like, I don't know much about Italian wine. It's like the opener for yeah. every, every But I've guess.
2: been to Napa. I've been to the North Fork or the Hamptons, maybe the Finger Lakes. You hear people who have been to a lot of these regions, but maybe right. haven't been to regions in Italy. No. And no. tell us about uh, your time at CIA. Um, that, so that's a culinary program, but yeah. did, you ended up focusing on the front of house. Uh, I happen?
3: mean, I, I went through the culinary program, and then I became a fellow in one of the restaurants doing front of the house. Um, so we, it was basically like managing a restaurant, and we had a new, a new class every two weeks. So we had to do like a full staff training and open for service every two weeks. It was like an opening every like, twice a month, which was a lot of fun.
2: And when people come to you and ask uh, about your time at culinary school, do you do you recommend going to culinary school?
3: Oh, I'm one of the big advocates for the for the CIA, and I know there's all this like there's always all this hype and and people at the CIA, and I think there was like a walkout recently because they're so angry at the standard of stu- like all of these things. But I went with. Oh yeah, no, there,
2: there were students who weren't wearing like clean no, chef's like, toasters. Yeah, or or like I that. don't
3: even know. It's like they they're letting anyone in now. You don't have to have as much experience, and they're accepting front-of-the-house experiences, restaurant experience for for culinary school, and I mean, I went to culinary school with only front-of-the-house experience, and I wanted to learn it. I thought that's why you go to school, but I was surrounded by people who had been working in in kitchens for a long time who were really good. It was very intimidating, but I loved it. I learned something new every day. I had a great time, and with any degree, you know, you do what you're going to do with it. It doesn't, you can't, like, say, like, oh, all the students are bad at the CIA because there's, like, a bad... there's plenty of bad people who come Mm -hmm. out of any program. But
2: But what about the argument where some people say that uh, your your time's better spent working in a restaurant?
3: I I think it's different for everyone. I mean, I needed to learn the basics. I had no idea. I had never cooked when I went to culinary school. And, I mean, I cooked at home. My mom cooked sometimes. She didn't use salt. That was a really hard thing for me to understand. It was, like, handfuls of salt. It looked like so much to me, but it was the right amount. And... Um, I, I think that it's 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 different for everyone I have friends who've done both Who've worked in restaurants and kitchens forever And went to culinary school And maybe regret it sometimes I know like, I mean Emma, my partner She hated culinary school she, It's not something that she's like Happy about, but I think it's different
1: but
2: she met you at culinary school.
3: Yes, that's the good thing that came out of it, and she'll say that too, but she didn't have the best time, and she but she was one of those people who just, like, she knew how to cook, so she didn't really feel like, she felt like it was kind of boring for a while, and I I just found it to be really exciting.
2: And when you and Emma first met, was it an instant click, and you no, guys were no, both no. friends? Or? No,
3: we hated each other at first. It was like a, it was like a saga, but uh, she came through, when I was a fellow, she came through the the restaurant as a as a student, and I would see her all the time, and I didn't know who she was, but she would eat in the restaurant all the time, and I didn't, I don't know, we just had, like, this thing, and I apparently was not very nice to her, and she noticed it, and I didn't realize it, it ended up, her dad actually connected us, because she was, it was, like, her birthday, and he called, and he wanted us to sing happy birthday to her in the kitchen, and she was back there, and I, like... Talked to this man. And I was like, "This guy's like the coolest guy I've ever talked to. His daughter's got to be cool. Like, I, I I must have I must have overlooked it. I should I should give it a chance." So I like tried to talk. I tried to talk to her that day, but I like accidentally made it worse. And then we just became <laughs> friends. <laughs>
2: Wait, how do you go from accidentally making it worse to just becoming friends? I,
3: I, I don't. I, I I like started the conversation, yeah. but the big joke was that it was her birthday, and her dad told me that she was turning twenty. And she had been coming to the restaurant and drinking there for I mean, I don't know how long. And I was like a real stickler for underage drinking always, because I grew up in Key West and that was a big deal there. Um so on our way out of the kitchen when the chef sent her home because it was her birthday, and on her way out of the kitchen I said, Happy birthday, now I know how old you are. I don't know why I said that, but it sat so- like it sounded like I was gonna get her in trouble and she was like really, really angry and called her parents, freaked out, yelled at her dad for calling the school. <laughs> And then we just kind of started talking a little bit each day, and I, I, as I said, I really wanted to work for Danny Meyer, and she had done her externship at Union Square, Mm -hmm. so she was like, I'll take you for dinner there, I'll introduce you to some people, and we did that. We had, like, a date in New York City, and I'd I'd never really enjoyed being in Manhattan. I would come in and, like, go to Grand Central and stay kind of around there, Central Park, and that was it, and I'd go back up to school. We just had this amazing day together, and we sat, and she was like, we're going to be roommates someday, and we're going to open a restaurant together. And I was like, okay. It
2: all happened (laughs) happened. during that that one dinner. One dinner, we
3: decided, yeah. It was one night, yeah.
2: And then when you got back, did you start planning the restaurant right away, or what was Uh, the process? Well,
3: she was actually still in school, so I, um, and I had had accepted the job at Zoe. I Mm -hmm. went with her to this dinner knowing I already had a job, but I figured I'd meet people anyway. Um... And then, you know, she started coming to the city when she could, and I was still working at Zoe, and then we kind of, like, we always talked about it, but we thought we had to do something first. Like, we didn't, you know, you, you know this, like, how do you how do you prepare yourself for opening a restaurant? There's no real way. There's no, there's no right or wrong way, I don't think, to figure it out. So we just started doing catering so that we could meet people. Um, and then we met people like you. We ended up convincing someone to believe in it. We went to Italy. We spent... I think, like, three weeks in Italy, um, which, in our heads, we were there for, like, three months. But when we started talking about it years later, it was like, no, it was actually just a couple weeks, wasn't it? And then, yeah, we just opened a restaurant.
2: And uh, do you still... Is that catering company still going, or are you still continuing No.
3: That? No, it never really went anywhere. <laughs> I really like the name, um, but... And I would like to... Maybe I'll revive it someday, because I really love catering, but... No, we don't we, we, we let that one go.
2: And tell us about your time in Italy. Where where were you I uh, imagine we, mostly in Piedmont? We things. spent
3: well, we were all over the place. but we started in Piedmont. Mm-hmm. So we um we spent some time in in Torino and then we were in Alba and all around like Monforte and Barbaresco and Barolo and we drank and ate really, really well. It was during the truffle festival actually, so um, Alba was amazing. It just smelled like truffles. We, and we just stayed, walking and we, through we, the streets, Yeah, right? and we were staying across from the n- Nutella factory, so we'd wake what? up to the smell of Nutella and then, like, smell truffles all day. It was it was terrible.
2: <laughs> and uh, um,
3: But uh, we did some, from there, we went through like, Emilia Romagna, and then we were in some different places in Tuscany, and finished the trip in Rome.
2: And I can see why uh, why Piedmont, though, especially at that time, was really influential to you, that, well, that yeah, the we, restaurants, we, in a way, Piedmontese. We had, yeah,
3: we had we'd gone to Italy with the like we don't we don't really know what direction we wanted to go with Italian we just knew we both really loved Italian um and Piedmont was like sealed the deal as soon as we were there we went to like the restaurants were so old and they were family run and that's all we were trying to like do in New York it wasn't we knew we were young we knew we were we wanted something small <clears throat> we wanted to cater to uh, restaurant industry people like ourselves so it was an, a, it was just like it spoke to us everything about it the hospitality more more than anything else we were nobodies but we'd like mentioned we wanted to open a restaurant and you were just like treated like gold and they would talk to you about everything and we had like we had like a walking tour of a of an old of of monforte with like this crazy restaurant owner who like spent the whole day with us and was like just like gave us gifts at the end everywhere we went they would give you a gift. It was just.
2: Well, crazy. I'm sure it didn't hurt that you were two young, attractive American <laughs> women. I
3: don't like to think like that. <laughs> I think that we were just really talented. Yeah,
2: a combination of your wits—that <laughs> you're in the industry—and that you're both uh, very pretty. Uh, uh, very I mean, good.
3: you know, we were we were definitely eating a lot back then, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it was it that maybe that helped. I don't know. But I, I knew you guys day.
2: when you were <laughs> 23. And you know and and you were you were still uh you're very attractive <laughs> <laughs> um okay so you you get back to new york and uh, is it immediate you, sh- you start looking for uh a, a, a new location and it's you know well, full we speed started ahead?
3: We, we like started like everyone does the first thing we did was start trying to develop a menu which is funny because in culinary school I had a chef who once said that the first thing anyone does any chef does when they're trying to open a restaurant is think about the menu and that shouldn't be the first thing you think about but of course it was the first thing we were thinking about um and then we just cut we like started to work on a business plan even though you can't really rely on a business plan in a restaurant I don't think um so we started that and then started looking for locations after we figured that out we knew we wanted to be downtown. We originally thought East Village, but it was kind of overpopulated with a bunch of stuff. So we started looking in the Lower East Side, and we found, like, a really obscure location that was a really good deal, and just kind of happened. It happened really fast. I didn't even believe it was happening until the night it opened.
2: Wow. Well, and, yeah, in that location... Uh has kind of it's gotten much more busy since since you've opened there's been yeah, a push a lot, towards that Yeah there's stuff happening
3: still but it's still a we, I mean Allen Street is still like a, is off the beaten yeah. path there's, across
2: from the Chinese restaurant yeah, with the with funny flashing lights flashing
3: lights that's why our sign lights up we were just trying to compete but there there's is lit way better they have more experience with it clearly and all the different colors it's really big
2: but i love your you're kind of walking through chinatown you're going on, on allen street and then you find this oasis it's it's so comforting and cozy but really elegant in there. and that's
3: what we always wanted and, and we get a lot of uh people who ask why we have riddling racks or why we have wood on the door which is riddling racks we have like the front is covered in riddling racks and we wanted to get away from chinatown like we didn't we didn't want you to sit at our bar and have a street view of that. We wanted you to pretend you were someplace else. Like, that was the idea of it. Maybe it's a little too hidden <laughs> at times, but people knock on the door sometimes. <laughs> We'd probably do better if we just locked the door. Well,
2: I, 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 love, the, uh, I, I love the decor. I, I feel like it's it's super cozy, especially on these, like, cold winter nights. It's uh, just a oh, great... It's too
3: cold to go anywhere in this weather. But, yes, it is a good duck away
2: (laughs) all right we're going to take a quick break and uh when we come back i want to talk to you more about uh about the wine program and your inspirations there so we'll be right back
0: You are listening to Burgundy by the Hollows on HeritageRadioNetwork.org.
1: The following program has been brought to you by Tabard Inn. Tabard Inn, Washington DC's quintessential small hotel, is located on a quiet tree-lined street just five blocks from the White House. Vibrant, yet unassuming, the Tabard is comprised of 40 sleeping rooms, each unique in character and design. Feast on eclectic American cuisine in their acclaimed restaurant, or enjoy a cocktail and listen to live jazz in one of their cozy Victorian seating areas mingle with travelers from around the world who find the Tabard the only place to stay when taking their travels to Washington. For more information, visit tabardin.com. We're back on In the Drink on
2: Heritage Radio Network.org. I'm here with Sarah Craithen, co-owner of Sorella. Um, Sarah, tell us about uh, about the wine program there. I've always uh, really enjoyed uh, the wines. I like give a lot of small producers, all Italian
3: um, yeah, that was the that was the goal. It was actually you were you were one of my wine list inspirations. If you remember when I like made you meet with me one one morning a long time ago about how to write a wine list because I had never done it before. You gave me some good pointers and rules. Um, but yeah, I just focus on small producers, kind of obscure things, like finding different varietals that people don't necessarily know about. Um, definitely a lot from Piedmont, young wines because we're young. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of it. I just, I, I, if a wine has a story, I fall for. I'm, I always fall for a good story. I love that. Right. Well,
2: I hope that I was helpful to you. At, at you the were, time. <laughs> you were really helpful.
3: You gave me really good advice. But I, re- I had never done it. I didn't. I'd never. I'd never even been a wine buyer. I was like, I could pour wine. I could open wine. I could talk about wine in a way that I understood wine, but never about like the fancy stuff.
2: When did you start to feel comfortable as a as a wine buyer?
3: I'm still trying to <laughs> get, no, um i I guess I like just once once it was done like once the list was done mm-hmm. and the first like the first big buy the first buy was like a lot of fun that was that was pretty big um and then it was it was good i've I work with people that i like i like if i if I don't like a rep I won't work with them anymore I think that's a big part of it um and that that's something that makes it more comfortable and you have to set. Boundaries and once everybody kind of knows your rules, it's it's fun to do. Yeah. In the beginning, it's awful and like just like anyone shows up and like no appointment, and they're just banging on your door, no idea what you might have going on. But yeah, it's, I'm I'm good with it now.
2: Yeah, I mean that that was for me the big change when I realized. Wait a second! I need to set up systems and boundaries and ways. Otherwise, the wine reps will just come and they'll just come and they'll come at all bad hours and bring yeah, stuff you, you don't care you, about. Yeah, and it's
3: easy to fall for it in the beginning too because it's just like exciting and you yeah. love wine and all these people are showing up. Yeah, it's wait like, a Oh, I can taste wine. Uh, you want you want me to taste wine? Sure, I'd yeah, love I can to. taste it's, all of this stuff. Like, right sure. now it's ten in the morning. Okay. Oh wait, no, that wasn't a good idea. I shouldn't. Have, I should have arranged that on a better schedule. So yeah.
2: All right, well, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, your cookbook that just came out.
3: Uh, yes, yeah, so the Sterella cookbook came out um, at the end of October. It was released. Um, mm-hmm. It's a really fun book. Uh, it's, uh, God. Um, Emma's recipes, um, he, even though she's not at the restaurant anymore. Um, a lot of things that have been on the menu, a lot of favorites that people love. And um, it's actually a usable cookbook. It's really, we wrote it to be like, fun and young. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got a lot of little stories and kind of... We have some cocktail vignettes. recipes in there? there are cocktail recipes. There are drink notes with some recipes, for pairings, like, also, like, what you should drink while you're cooking something. Oh, I like and then, that. What's yeah. a tip
2: for what you should drink while you're cooking? I mean, it
3: depends. So, like, I, I make, make jokes about, like, if it's, like, a harder thing, like, have, like, a stiff cocktail to kind of loosen up so that you can have fun while you're cooking. But um, it was just something we thought of because when... When we had our catering company and when Emma and I were roommates, we always, like, were testing recipes in our apartment. Like, that's where we did it all we were roommates. So we would always, you know, have something to drink while we were t- recipe testing. And when this all came about, I was like, hey, we should bring that, we should bring that into this because it was a big part of what we did. So it's a great book. Um, it's lots of pictures, like, f- like y photos. It's very colorful great
2: book yeah i i really like there's a photo of you uh stretching going for a yeah, run yeah going
3: for a run yeah we did it we put a special little bit in in the book about um about like exercise just because it's something that i think um is really important for people in our industry to to find something that they can focus on that's like a healthy thing we have plenty of of bad habits between like the all the drinking and the eating and we both found pilates and then i started running so they wanted to we wanted to put that in the book in some way to kind of bring awareness to the fact that you can't just you can't do it forever yeah just eat and drink all you want
2: when did you find running
3: uh i started running i guess it's been like three years now
2: yeah i had the same the same experience first couple of years of uh, opening up the restaurant um i definitely let myself go to certain <laughs> yeah. extent um you know it was uh getting out of the restaurant at, at midnight 1 a.m and then you're starved and yeah that's
3: that was definitely a bad
2: one and eating and then going directly eating and drinking going directly to sleep uh <laughs> is not the healthiest no it's uh,
3: not ideal
2: and you guys are down in Chinatown, I'm sure there was a lot of... Plenty of, like, of
3: stuff, to, plenty of trouble to get into. I, I also ate at Sorella, like, every night for the first year. It was I was there closing. We were open until 2. I was, like, I had pasta. I used to eat the pate, which isn't on the menu anymore. It was, like, a chicken liver mousse with a fried egg and bacon on top. It's, like, I can't even imagine taking a bite of that anymore. <laughs> it would kill me. But, yeah, running is, um, I think, the, the mental part of it also, just like that. I think... Um, I actually see this uh, really funny massage therapist, and she, for the first like year I saw her, she would constantly say to me that I wasn't exhaling, that I didn't know how to exhale, and I was like, no, I'm definitely breathing. I'm talking. I must be breathing. She'd be like, no, but you don't. You're not exhaling. Like actually, just like letting it out. And when you run, you have to. So it's like if I don't, like my, it's like my my chance to breathe for the day. I
2: love that. I miss seeing you on the on the West Side Highway. We used to meet each other. I think our
3: schedules are different. Oh wait, no, no, no. You left. You left campus. Yeah, I you left, left, left campus. left campus.
2: It was uh, you mean Colin from Fatty Crab? And
3: yeah, I still I still run with Colin from time to time. We still we still get out there. I've run with John Winterman from Danielle because he oh, was in the John. neighborhood. There's like a lot of restaurant people in the West Village, and you see them running. It's like a nice, it's a nice little thing.
2: Yeah, and one of uh, one of our great wine reps, uh, Adrian Chalk. I don't know if you know Adrian oh, from, Adrian. he's uh, he, from Angel Share. I see him. He has a, a great lab, and they're always running on on that West Side. Um, so t- so Emma moved away. This was your business yes. partner and your and your roommate and your and friend. best
3: friend. Yeah, she moved to uh, Hawaii to the North Shore of Oahu
2: why would she ever want to leave this for this
3: (laughs) beautiful winter wonderland i don't i can't imagine uh no she did she decided she wanted to take a little break from from cooking and kind of regroup um i think that's the other side of doing it really young is that you kind of can realize like wait a second what have i done with my 20s i want to do something else um which she ended up wanting to do and she uh, has a house on the water it's very nice She is getting island fever and coming back to the mainland for a bit um, in a couple months, so I'll get to see more of her, and that's exciting. But yeah, she left, and I hired um, our opening sous chef to become the chef of Sorella. Her name is Molly Nickerson. She was um, at Morea right before she came to us, and she's been the chef now for a little over a year, and she really... I don't know, we, she gets it. She, she's one of those people who just really gets it. Her food is fantastic. And we what was that whatever.
2: transition like for, for you, uh, personally? Don't have to go too uh, <laughs> personally, You know what?
3: It was, it was fine. It was, it was the right thing to do. You know, it's kind of like, it was, it was the most mature conversation I think we've had. It was, it was just like the right time. It was the right thing to do. And, and it was exciting to work with a new chef and mm-hmm. have like that kind of thing, you know, like, being roommates and best friends and working together for a long time. It's not that we were, you know, not getting along or anything, but it's it's nice to have, like, a fresh set of eyes come in and be like, oh, I want to do this a little differently. I mean, she took some things off the menu right away that I thought would never come off the menu, and I was, like, at, scared at first, but then after it was like, oh, that was a really, <laughs> that was a really good move. That did need to come <laughs> off of the menu, and I was attached to it for no good reason. She's put a lot of um, – she's kind of dialed it back to very – Very Italian, I think um, Emma will say she was a she had ADD and she would go someplace or travel someplace and then come back. Like she would go to Hawaii every year and come back, and all of a sudden we would have like something really really pineapple ravioli or something. No, (laughs) no, she did like a it was like a Thai play on an orchietti with like duck and peanuts and cilantro, and it was like like kind of Asian there was like a little bit of fusion happening and it was all really good, but I just, it, it, there were some times where I was like, all right, <laughs> I'm getting a little confused here. Where is Piedmont? <laughs> I don't see it anymore. So she really, uh, Molly coming in and doing like a Vitello Tonato dish was just yeah. like a, a nice, like, Oh yeah, this, this is, this is the good stuff. This is what I remember.
2: Well, I have to, uh, I mean, I have to agree throughout the various stages from when you first opened Um, to a few years back when we went after the Forbes party, and and I just went with my girlfriend Alyssa uh, a couple months ago now. Um, It's always been really, really delicious. Always found delicious things to drink there and eat. Oh, and one of the cool things that that you've done that you don't see around too much is having a selection of Italian craft beers, even on tap, which uh, I think is pretty awesome that you guys do. Yeah,
3: that was... That was an. That was definitely Emma who wanted. I. I. I'd be lying if I said I liked beer. I just don't like beer, so um. That's that's always actually been a challenge. I have to trust like. I always find like someone on staff to be like, okay, you taste this beer. Is this is a good beer? Because they all taste the same to me. Uh, but yeah, we did. We tried to. We found this really cool, um, company that was do working with uh, Union Beer, and mm-hmm. they were bringing in like crazy craft beers from like Piedmont in kegs and it's like you never really know what you're going to get like the size of the keg is, is is weird and they're really expensive but they are really cool most of them have a really good story so yeah try to try to do something different
2: all right and then um a few years back you opened up Stellina as well
3: Stellina is our little uh gelato outpost we've started our we do like our funky gelato at Sorella I think you know about it um and we've it's something people really like so we decided to kind of branch out and do just a gelato focus it's just a it's a takeout window on on the street now we kind of we turned the the seating of it into another dining room for sorella it seemed to make more sense but yeah nice. it's our little gelato brand.
2: <laughs> i love i love 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 the gelato there
3: well it's fun we we take like some Italian classic, but mm-hmm. it's it's pretty it's pretty American for like the flavors and their and and we like name them crazy things. Yeah, and you have like that
2: soft creamy gelato. Yeah, but the then te- as
3: far as texture, I think that I think that we nailed it Cause it's hard. You have when you have gelato in Italy, you know this. Like you yeah. come back, and you're just like it's it's just not the same. You can't find it, and it is. It's that texture. Cause we tend to make everything. T- it's too cold here. We just like feel like the gelato is too hard. It should be like soft and. Melty, even
2: awesome. It's, it's so I want gelato. Right, I don't <laughs> yes. care that it's like ten degrees outside this winter. I want gelato. Uh, and,
3: yeah, when people come to Stellina this in, in this weather, we're like, you are you you're a trooper. <laughs> 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 you you know what you love.
2: And do you have anything planned for uh, for the horizon? Anything coming up soon?
3: Um, you know, I'm 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 I don't know. No, just just at Sorella. <laughs> Um, not like you, I don't have another another restaurant yet. Uh, but no, we're just kind of trucking along, enjoying it, still having fun. So
2: most nights we can come and see you at Sorella. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
3: Years <laughs> later, I mean, we just turned five, so that's kind of. Wow!
2: Congratulations. That's weird, right? Yeah. That's thank right. You. you just had your fifth birthday. Yeah,
3: December first. Through a, through a big party. <laughs> it was a good party
2: um well if you guys haven't been i i encourage you to uh to check out sorella it's it's just such a, a great little oasis in that in that area it still has that that cozy warm vibe uh the food is killer the wine list is awesome and the gelatos are delicious <laughs> yes
3: <laughs> dessert in general actually
2: um, and thanks so much for listening. Uh, Sarah, thanks so much for coming. Thank you
3: for having me on yeah. this cold, cold day. <laughs> uh,
2: but I'm sure I'll am sure we we'll be seeing you soon.
3: Yeah. Yeah, we'll see each other. <laughs> All
2: right. And thanks for listening. Um, we'll be back next week on In the Drink on heritageradionetwork.org.